0: Are you tired of hearing about mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you've come to the right place, a space where healing is central but also normalized. Join hosts Danika and Myra as we engage in topics around mental health and keep it real while also giving you the work. Welcome to Black Woman Healing Podcast. All right, y'all, we're back for another episode of Black Woman Healing Pod, and as usual, I'm going to kick us off with a question. So today we are joined by another therapist. So with this question, Joy, I'm going to ask that you be open and honest. It's going to be a little uncomfortable because it's a little uncomfortable for me to ask, but I'm going through this. so I need to ask other therapists if they're going through this too. So as therapists, have you ever worked with a client who is having a similar experience to you and how did you manage it? Because if I'm being honest, I've been going through it this week. Like I've been talking to my clients and I've been like, I feel like I'm looking at a mirror, like what is going on? How are you saying what I'm going through? This is crazy. So I wanna hear about y'all's experience.
1: So I think I definitely have encountered this before. And to me, this is the kind of like the coolest part of our work is that sometimes we're figuring it out together and you can be transparent with people sometimes and say that depending on you know the rapport that you have with the person. Um, but I think it causes you to be even more reflective in your everyday life to figure out what am I doing to get past this? Like really be aware of what you could be picking up on that could be helpful for the person that's going through this. And you guys are just kind of going through that journey together and figuring it out. So I think that might be a kind of a kind of a cool aspect of our job.
0: Ooh, thank you for that. Donika, what about you?
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
2: I think that, uh, like, sometimes if I'm connecting to what they're saying too much to a client um, and say I want to ask the question and I know it's based off what I just want to know I have to check myself though like they didn't even say nothing about that you got to go a different direction so it is still about that clinical piece of like this is still my job and I have to check myself and if they're not directing this here or if it's only coming from my internal piece then um, I have to make sure I'm not being biased. but I agree with what Joyce and, and you, like it's very, very helpful though. Um, it just to even hear somebody going through something similar, it just brings you back to this humanistic piece of like we all are human. We go through similar things. It just looks a little different. So yeah.
1: um,
2: I haven't had to seek personal counsel off of it. It's specific yet, but that's also another thing. I know some folks have, you know, some clinicians and therapists have had to do
0: Yeah, for sure. So I was talking with one of my clients and she was like, how did you know that about me? Cause you just met me. And I said, do you want the honest answer? And she was like, yeah, I want the honest answer. And I'm that therapist where I'm like, I'll tell you a little bit about me, but I don't want to tell you too much because this is not about me. So I'm still trying to find that balance, especially if it's a new client. I don't want you to feel like everything is about me. So I was kind of hesitant. So when she said, yeah, I want to know the honest answer. I said, I remember that being me and me talking to my therapist about it. And she was like, oh, wow. I'm so happy that we met each other and we're talking through this. And I was like, okay, whoo, that feels good. Because I was kind of scared to tell her at first. And then I spoke with my supervisor about it. And she was like, just tell your therapist that you're going through these things so you can work through it. Because it gives you the opportunity to see when you started healing in this situation and you could gauge it with your clients. And I was like, that is the most helpful information I've ever received. Because at first I was like, can you give me books to read? And she was like, you can read all the books you want to read. But I think that if you go to therapy and you start to gauge yourself, it will be the most helpful. And I was like, wow, okay, feel good about that. So I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. Our guest is Joy. And Joy is a licensed clinical social worker who is passionate about destigmatizing mental health in the Black community. Over the past seven years, she has worked with various populations in the mental health field to provide therapy, support, and resources to underserved communities. Recently, she established her private practice, Therapy with Joy. Ooh, I love hearing about new private practices. Providing individual therapy for women of color who are experiencing anxiety or self-limiting beliefs that keep them from blooming into their best self. Love it. After experiencing her own challenges and burnout, Joy founded A Day Off, a space for Black women in mental health to connect through shared experiences and engage in self-care. Across her social media, therapeutic work, and events, her message remains the same. Self-care is a necessity, not a luxury. And Joy can be found um, on Instagram, A Day Off LA. They're officially called A Day Off. And once you connect, it's really dope. Like even just like the posts are dope. So I love that. And so We're going to be having a chat today about self-care among mental health professionals and providers. And so Joy, I want to kick it off and just ask you, in your work as a social worker, how do you ensure you're engaging in self-care for yourself?
1: Yeah, so honestly, I think we've all had this experience where we kind of had to learn the hard way. Um, Pretty much everybody I've come across has told me a similar story of when they first got in the field they were like, they hit the ground running and they wanted to save everyone and they wanted to work overtime, work extremely hard to make this huge impact. And then we all kind of had to hit a wall and figure out like, this isn't working, I'm burnt out. And if I keep going at this rate, um, I'm not going to be able to practice for very long in this field. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a very similar story and just kind of having to learn that the hard way working harder than you know my clients were and just really not enjoying the work at some point so it, it kind of prompted like a mindset shift within me of how can I build a lifestyle around self-care that will allow me to practice a long term in this field because I met someone when I first got in the field who had to essentially leave the field because she was so burnt out um, she talked about like you know, just working extremely hard in all of these different, with all these different populations. And then one day realizing like she was no longer enjoying this and had to quit and go do something completely different. And I was like, I'll be damned if I paid all this money, got all these certifications and this training and these degrees only for the field to have to boot me out. Like it's not even my choice at that point. It's like, I have to go. So my mindset ever since then has been, how can I ensure that if I ever leave this field, it's because I want to go and not because I have to go because I'm so burnt out. So um, when, you, when you start to put things into practice in terms of self-care on a consistent basis, it becomes more than just something you practice. It's a part of your lifestyle. It's a habit. So that's kind of the shift that I've made is like, how can my lifestyle be tailored to um, centering around my self-care? and disciplining myself to make sure that I'm, I'm keeping up with that.
0: Yeah. For those who are just stepping into the field and they want to hit the ground running, because I typically do hear that myself. What would be some go-to tips that you would just tell them right now, as far as including self-care into whether it be, I like to have self-care daily. Some people say weekly, but I like to have it daily because I feel like that's how I sustain myself. But What tips would you give those who are fresh into the field that are trying to hit the ground running, but they're kind of forgetting about the self-care aspect? How can you bring them back in to make sure that they are including it?
1: Yeah, so to me, so so I know typically people will think of self-care as like, I don't know, maybe working out or um, doing yoga or, you know, some type of activity like that. But self-care to me as well is boundaries. And I think having boundaries within work is extremely important. Um, especially because as you continue to work in this field, you you start to see that these jobs don't really care about you. You know what I'm saying? And, and we can give our heart and soul to these agencies because we love the clients. We want to dedicate ourselves to this work. Um, but you start to see over time that these agencies really do not give a damn about you. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're not putting boundaries into place where you're taking your breaks, where you're um, practicing self-care within the workday and not just when you get off of work, so are you are you taking that lunch? Are you just taking it to the chin every day because you have these notes that are due, you know? So on and so forth. Like, are you are you doing the things within work that once once you get off work you can not feel so exhausted? Um, so I think having those boundaries in place in the workplace can be really helpful. Um, to say like, I'm going to take my breaks when I want to, I'm going to ask for a a lighter caseload if things are getting too heavy, I'm going to ask for support and help as needed. Um, Those, those are the kinds of things that are, they go beyond like yoga and burning candles and so on and so forth. Like those are the things that are really going to sustain you and that should become a part of your lifestyle.
0: I've never heard anyone say that you can have self-care within work. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that a day in my life. And I feel like every, I'm about to highlight that on our Instagram. When it's your episode week, I have to highlight that because I've never heard anyone say that. And I'm always hearing people talking about working through lunch. And now that we're working at home, it's this awkward situation of, am Mm -hmm. I still working on the weekend? Do I work in my bed too? Like, okay, I thought about an assignment I need to do. So I get out of bed and do it real quick. So I'm loving that you're saying it starts with work because it's also making me think about when I first got into this field, if I would have thought of it that way, I think my life will look so different. And I'm appreciating you saying that now because I'm thinking about how I'll navigate work moving forward because doing it at work, it's gonna automatically flow into my personal and everyday life. So I really value that.
1: Yeah, it's
2: essential. Absolutely. Um, as Myra Myra was kind of talking about like in the pandemic, how our work has kind of changed a lot of us anyways, and so have you noticed any differences in your approach to social work in general, therapy, whatever you know the field you're in during this pandemic.
1: Yeah, I think during this time um, during the pandemic, obviously like pre pandemic our jobs were already, you know, extremely complex and stressful um, so seeing the, the stress and the extra layers that come along with the pandemic, it's been that more important for me to like hold myself even closer and to pay, to pay even more attention to what type of care I need during this time, because not only are the individuals we serve, like their needs have increased, right? They've increased during this time, like they need more from us because the world is, you know, going through a lot. Um, so I needed to, to stop and say, okay, their needs have increased, but what do my needs look like? And how can I make sure that I'm meeting those needs so that I can meet their needs? Right. So it's kind of like that concept of like not pouring from an empty cup. So I needed to make sure I was being attentive to what I was feeling during this time, because a lot has changed. Like the expectations from our job, jobs have increased because with them seeing us work from home, like they want to make sure we're busy 24-7 and all that good stuff. Um, so I had to, to really just reflect on what I needed during this time and what those increased needs look like for myself to make sure that I was going to be able to meet the needs of people who also had an increased um, need right now. So I think just being having that extra attentiveness and that extra care was really important for me during this particular time. Mm. Have you noticed um, like, because in thinking
2: about approaches right um when you do like face-to-face therapy sometimes we incorporate different things sometimes you know meditation in a session it looks very different so like have you noticed that you've used more i I do use games you know do virtual like do you do anything different like that
1: i don't know i haven't gotten that creative because i work with adults and so (laughs) <laughs> Whether it was in like community mental health setting, because I, I do work in community mental health and um, private practice, so both of those populations didn't require that type of like um, creative uh, creativity, so I don't know. I think my, my approach has just been to be extremely encouraging, reminding people to um, extend grace to themselves because that's been a huge theme of people being extremely hard on themselves during this time so it's been more so instead of like taking a creative approach like that it's been really like being attentive and paying attention to what it is people are struggling with the most what are the themes what are the patterns and how can I ensure that I'm um, kind of speaking life into those particular things like shedding light on them normalizing them um, acknowledging them because sometimes people don't even know that they're that we're all struggling with this particular thing so it's it's been really important for me to look at like what the patterns and themes are and figure out how can I best address those things for people yeah.
0: has there been any particular themes that have been common for you that have shown up because like in my clients I was literally telling my supervisor like I don't know what's going on but when i start talking about clients i get confused on who i'm talking about because i got five clients going through the same thing and what's been a theme for them is thinking about childhood because they're at home a lot more people are having kids during this pandemic and so them having kids them being at home where they've been thinking about their childhood and i'm like what is going on like this is a theme and i keep getting clients with this consistent theme looking different of course like that being a theme. And then I'm also seeing on Instagram a lot of inner child work. And I'm
1: like, what is going on? Yeah, that has been, I have been seeing a lot of that. Um, I d I don't know that I can pick a theme that's that complex. Mm-hmm. For me, it's mostly been lots of depression, loneliness, codependence, mm-hmm. um, people feeling really guilty, like overindulging in guilt about what they mm-hmm. should be doing right now, how hard they should be working. Um they should be starting businesses, or they should be where someone else is. So lots of comparing themselves to other people, Um, relying on like really unhealthy things to cope, like people have picked up drinking a lot more. So it's been stuff like that. Um, And just not just being really hard on themselves. Like I have to tell people like you do realize we are in a pandemic, like so much stress, we're so exhausted, like this long term fatigue, and exhaustion, and you're feeling guilty about like not having a, a side business like you you get out of bed on a daily basis kudos to you because that at this point is an accomplishment like why are you being so hard on yourself For real yeah
2: absolutely and yeah so as mental health providers I mean we're talking about trauma we're talking about self-doubt we're talking about Uh, even like psychosis like in delusions like we we talk about so many and deal and see with so many different things so it can be really hard to leave that stuff at work so do you have any tips for us um and you know us and the listeners on how to do this or how you do it
1: i think Over time, we learn to compartmentalize things and it becomes kind of like second nature for us. Like there is a level of compartmentalization that has to take place in order for us to leave work and turn off that part of us so that we can function in our additional roles. Um, So I've always been someone who once I leave work, I leave work. Like there's people who have dreams about their clients or think about their clients, when they're, you know, cooking or doing whatever, I have never been that person, because I've I've always just kind of like, once I leave, I just turn it off, like, that part of me is is left there, because again, it comes back to that concept of, if I'm not disciplined enough to do those kinds of things, then I won't make it long term, and that's ultimately all of our goal, right, so anytime I find myself, like, backsliding or slipping, I'm always like, are you doing what you need to do to make it long-term? Like, even if you don't feel like it, even if it's hard for you to do it, like this is where you bite down and you get disciplined and you just do it because that's what it's going to take to be able to do this long-term. So com- being able to like have those boundaries and compartments alive, like the same way you would do with not be not being a therapist to your family and to your friends, right? Like you're able to turn off that part of you and when they're telling you a story, like you're just the homegirl, you're just the friend, Um, So it's kind of a similar concept where once you leave work, you kind of just have to turn that off and slip back into your other roles um, without that piece of you. So I don't know if that makes sense or if it's
2: going to be something
1: people can figure out how to do via those instructions. But I think once again, it just it, it all takes a lot of discipline sure for sure
0: you're making me think about when I am in conversation with friends and family and they come and tell me stuff and I'm like do not give them a therapy mm-hmm. response and sometimes I'll ask them something and they'll give me a response I've heard my clients say and I'll be like what did I just ask like why did I even do that <laughs> so I'm even <laughs> trying to figure out like that balance of stop yeah. It Myra.
1: <laughs> yeah it's all a learning a learning experience for sure
0: Most definitely so we were curious about if you're a part of any mental health professional groups. And in thinking about this, I kind of want to hear you share more about a day off because I feel like that's important. And I've seen a lot of black women that I know, I'm not in LA anymore, but a lot of black women that I know in LA, they're all following the page. They go to these events. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. And if you're tied to any other um, mental health professional groups.
1: Yeah. So a day off was born out of, basically once I, so I did my bachelor's and my master's in social work, right? So the social work ethics and core values are like heavily embedded in me. Um, So once I got into the actual professional world, I started to observe the fact that the same core values that we were taught to use with our clients were not being applied to how the agencies um, treated their actual employees. And I found that to be disturbing, number one, because how can you apply something with one population but not the people who are working within your agency? And that was stuff like diversity and cultural sensitivity, like just basic stuff. Um, So once I started to see that, I started to also pick up on the fact that black women were the ones that seemed to be treated the, the worst, basically. Like I witnessed my supervisor getting demoted for basically like Fufu claims against her that essentially had to do with her culturally, um, like the people she was supervising culturally, there was just like, I don't know, it just, they weren't seeing eye to eye and it was a lack of cultural sensitivity and realizing like she's not someone who's going to sugarcoat everything, she's being direct and that doesn't need to equate to aggressiveness, like it was stuff like that that I was seeing just really take like Uh, a toll on black women being passed over for uh, promotions promotions going to people who are like extremely mediocre just like crazy stuff and I started thinking like how am I going to navigate this field because I am already exhausted from the work I'm doing with individuals and now I feel a complete lack of support from my agency which is where I should feel the most supported So that I can do the best work. Mm -hmm. So I started to think to myself, if I'm feeling this way, then other people have to be feeling this way, because this is multiple agencies that I'm seeing this at at this point. So I think we've all kind of seen an influx in people going into this field. So I started thinking about who are all the people I know, like black women in particular, because I really wanted a mentor. Um, and I couldn't find that because mentors are hard to come by. People really don't want now to. Now you've a
0: mentoring program. So you got to tell us about that. Exactly. Yeah.
1: People, people just don't want to sew into, um, into you for free. So, and, and I, I can't, you know, I don't blame them. Get your money. But um, I was like, okay, I can't find a mentor. So how can I build a community of people that can help kind of, su- I can support them and they can support me in making it in this field. So it, it started off with me just thinking of people I know who have degrees in social work or therapists, um, And then once I made an Instagram, it kind of took off because people started sharing the launch brunch. And I realized there was like a whole bunch of people I didn't know who needed something like this. They needed a community of people who are in this field who look like them, where we can all share our experiences of what we're dealing with, not only with individuals that we're serving, but with the agencies who are not treating us right um so from there it just kind of blew up like from launch brunches to conversations around like protecting our peace to check-ins throughout this pandemic and then the latest thing has been the Bloom mate program which has been more of an accountability um program than a mentorship but it's, it's helped people to build some really awesome bonds with the person that they've been matched with to kind of bloom into their best selves this. Yeah. So, I need this so bad (laughs)
2: this question was my question because I you know I at first I worked in community mental health and private practice but ever since August it's just been private practice and it is lonely like it is so different not having Mm -hmm. a community and working with a team and so like I'm like let me ask this question
1: so I need this (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely seeing the response lets me know how much other people really needed a community. And I think that is going to be the piece that we can all do to help us sustain staying in this field is to keep engaging with our community, building community, building these spaces like you guys are doing where we can talk about healing and all of this stuff so that we can be our best selves and be the most impactful.
0: And hopefully you bring it to San Diego because y'all
1: here too. So this is the thing is with it being virtual, anybody is welcome to like, I've had people in other states. I've had people in other parts of California. Um, I do, like I said, I do check-ins and happy hours during um, COVID because people need, you know, to check in and Mm -hmm. and just talk about how they're doing during this time. Mm -hmm. So if you guys ever see anything virtual, please feel free to join in.
0: Yes, listeners too. Please chime in, check in, join in. All the good Yeah, partners. I love
1: that. Um, I didn't get a chance to mention any communities, so um, I'm in a couple of Facebook groups that I found to be extremely helpful. So I'm sure you guys have heard of Black Girls in Social Work, um, which is a huge platform for Black women in this field and you can post questions you can get encouragement um, lots of good resources being dropped in there all the time and then another one is clinicians of color in private practice um, that's another facebook group extremely extremely helpful and kind of um, showing you the ropes of what it's like to be in private practice again a place that you can drop questions and just pull resources from that so That'd i be found funny. They'd be funny in there too yeah I've found Facebook groups to be like amongst the most helpful things. And of course the day off is always a community that any mental health professional can join. I love that.
0: What what is the importance of us having social workers slash therapists that are black women?
1: Um, I think it really was down to two things. So I think black women are good because of representation. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten clients and they're like, oh, thank God. I really have always wanted someone who looked like me or I've always wanted a black woman that I can work with. Um, And so I think that's extremely important to be able to have your clients relate to you because you look like them. Like I know for me, I'm always looking for someone Black, whether it's a doctor, a dentist, a chiropractor, like I'm always looking for someone Black because that's where I feel the most comfortable, the most at home. And if you look at the work we're doing, that's what you want people to feel. You want people to feel comfortable and at home. Um, So I think that representation is extremely important. Um, But second, I think nobody does it like us. Like nobody works as hard as we do. Nobody is as innovative as we are or as diverse as we are. I think the way we operate is just pure magic. So I think that we are, we're needed in any field, but especially one that's as vital as this one. I think Black women should continue. And, And this is our roots. Healing is our roots. You know, it's looked different over generations and over time, but this is, us essentially going back to our roots of being healers.
2: Yeah, I love all
0: of that. For Absolutely. Real, I was typing it all down.
2: <laughs> Nobody I, does it like us. For real, that's our roots. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I like how you said it looks different among generations because with the private practice that I'm with, my supervisor always says, we don't believe in just talk therapy. So every month we do a different type of healing modality and they're led by a different black woman. And when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the right place because you believe in so much more than just talk therapy. We're going to try out every single thing. And she always says, don't tell your clients just therapy is the way. Don't just mm-hmm. give them one resource. Introduce them to all the other things they could be doing. So I love that you highlighted that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to be able to get into like, that's actually something I want to do with a day off next is having someone come in and talk about how we can Decolonize healing because I think with us going to school obviously we're taught very westernized ways of healing and I think there's definitely holistic practices out there that we could be doing that could be more impactful for black people. Um, cause I have heard people talk about like body work, somatic work being really good for black people. And so it's like, I'll, if I'm going to serve that population, like, I don't want to just have this one particular thing that was ingrained in me, that was beaten to me in school. Like, I want to know how to decolonize that so I can be able to Im- make my impact even bigger.
2: Yes, for sure. Um, so at the end of our episodes, we always give our listeners and ourselves takeaways things that we can practice and actively put in place. So we're just not talking about it or we're doing these things, right? So if you had to give some takeaways for our listeners, what would you say?
1: I think my takeaway is just the same as it's been throughout the episode, which is to love yourself and to love this field enough to do the things that you need to do in order to make your impact long-term. So self-care, it sounds fun, but sometimes it's exhausting and it really does take a level of discipline but I want everybody to love themselves enough and love the work they're doing enough to practice it consistently daily throughout the day in the form of boundaries, in the form of yoga, whatever it looks like for you. Um, Just love yourself enough to make that your priority and get get radical with it, get savage with it, take the rest, take the mental health days, like do, do all that, like become the queen and the expert of those things. Like as much as we wanna be experts and we want to go hard for all of these other things go hard for yourself and for your self-care because the world needs you
2: well thank you so much I really enjoyed this episode I feel like it's so interesting how sometimes these episodes align with like personal like personally what's going on so for me this was so much it's it's very much needed so thank you so
1: much joy of
0: course
1: thank you guys for having me
0: we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah. I really enjoy Joy. I always see her all over social media. Um, at first, I didn't know it was her running a day off. And I was like, let me get to the bottom of this. Let me see who's behind this. And so a few DMs, and I figured out it was her. And I was like, wait, I actually follow you. Okay, figured out it was her. And she does really dope work. And so, Donika, to wrap it up, let's have a little conversation among us. Has your wife or being a therapist changed over the years?
2: This is my question to you. Yes, <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think when I originally, you know, start seeking, start seeking out being this therapist, um, it really has started from like the secrets in my family and just feeling like, in general, just feeling like I couldn't talk about things that I wanted to and just always being curious. And the more I'm realizing now, I think that, me being a therapist actually has all to do with me I feel like the experiences that I keep coming up with I'm like yo if I was not a therapist I would not be able to deal with this I don't even think me having a therapist I would be able to deal with this stuff if I wasn't a therapist and I think that just kind of goes to show with like you know the things are happening the way they're supposed to yeah like so I think me being a therapist now is like like yo you have to this is what you have to do what are the experiences that are happening for you? So what about you, Myra?
0: I don't know. I've never wanted to be anything but a therapist. Um I was actually just in conversation with someone yesterday and they were asking me something. I was like, I've been doing therapeutic work since I was 15. So I've been in this field for 12 years, trained by MFTs in high school. I'm a whole MFT now on the road to be licensed. And my why has always been, I like the connection that I build with people and I like helping people to come to understand their purpose and feel comfortable with themselves. And that's always been my thing and it hasn't changed. Um, So yeah, my why definitely hasn't changed. And whenever I feel like I'm kind of straying away from feeling like I'm doing that work, I check myself and I go, okay, what do I need to be doing so that I do feel connected again to my why? Because like I said, Mm -hmm. been in this field 12 years, I've always had that same kind of thing. So whenever I'm like feeling myself drift away, just checking myself. So my why hasn't changed, and I think that my experiences um, always kind of affirm my why. So I'm thankful for that. So yeah, I know my my response is a little different.
2: Remember which is needed though. Like the the why behind what we do is important, and so it doesn't mean it, It doesn't always change, you know, sometimes it stays the same, but just being like you said, checking yourself, what is my why? Like, okay. Yeah, most
0: definitely. As we usually wrap up, sharing some things that we're enjoying lately, I want to ask you, what is, or what are some songs that you've been vibing to lately?
2: Oh my goodness. Uh, (laughs) My favorite song right now is by this Nigerian artist, Actor, he's y'all probably seen him. What's that? What's it called the wedding on Netflix? um But it's a song called Final Say. Artist name is Banky W. Oh, I hope that's his name. And it is like it's really a song saying basically saying God gets the final say. Mm. It's a feel good like that is my song. Oh, wow. So um, that's what I've been listening to lately. What about you? Oh God. <laughs> What am I listening to? Oh, <laughs> like, uh, you about to play. She gonna say Boosie or so. She gonna say little baby. So she, y'all know she about to say, um, <laughs> say something completely different than me. Completely oh different. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm actually getting <laughs> hot. What she about to what you about to say? What you listening to? Anita Baker. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness, you never like us uh, always a surprise with you. What? Y'all, have y'all
0: heard the song? angel by Anita baker why is that my jam like i've been doing this thing i heard this quote and the person said that when they listen to alicia q's music about love they think about themselves instead of a relationship and i've been trying to do that lately and it's such a vibe so the song angel is about her like loving this other person but i replaced the person with me and Oh my gosh, I've been doing that with a lot of songs lately, but that's the song that really stands out, and when I like drive and listen to it, I'll be like, you're my angel, like I'll be really like <laughs> feeling it, um, so yeah, that's the song I've been vibing to, and I also, because I had to pull up my little, uh, my playlist, or whatever, I also been listening to um, Zap, you know, the group Zap and Roger, but Zap in particular, oh, I really yeah. love Soul and Easy, like that's one of my favorite songs and you know how Ari Lennox's birthday was just last week bomb beautiful So there's this one song I never heard by her and I thought I was a fan I thought I heard all the songs but you know the song bust it
2: Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I gotta listen to it
0: I can't play all of it because we're gonna get kicked off but yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the song is only two minutes but it's a vibe like the two minutes, yeah. I'll be turning them into 20 minutes because so I'll replay it over oh and God. over and
2: over and over. That's how you know when you like a song. you like, repeat, repeat. Girl, <laughs> girl,
0: So Zap for sure. Um, Anita Baker, Ari Linus. I always listen to Shade because everybody says my mama, so that's just a given. <laughs> so yeah, those are my three people. You don't got any other people? Um, it's,
2: it's a lot. I got a whole, it's a lot, but 'm that's my final my the final say right now that's like my favorite song I listen to it at least once a day um but yeah it changes Jerusalem that was one with uh master KJ KJ and burner boy I listen to yeah, a lot of Afro- Add
0: that to my because we were talking about it somehow and it ended up being on my playlist because I was like what yeah. the hell is this
2: I listen to a lot of that. And when Myra starts telling me about her music, y'all, I write this stuff down. Then <laughs> I did not add her stuff to my playlist, too. So she talked about, like, the Gap Man and Stevie oh, Wonder. Oh, those are, that's on my playlist. Yes. That's on my playlist. So y'all, <laughs> I might be adding uh, Busted, Zap, and Anita Baker uh, <laughs> to my little playlist. Yes.
0: And your birthday is coming up, so you better start your vacation playlist. Well, I already got one, so I can just send you mine. But I already got my playlist <laughs> <laughs> going. Like, whenever I go on vacation, I always try to have mute, because I, I like to go to Caribbean places, so that's usually water. So my songs are usually, like, flowy stuff, where if you think of it, like, you feel, like, the ocean waves and stuff like that.
2: So yes.
0: if you need some songs, I got you.
2: <laughs> I, will, I will start that, because it's coming soon.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, thank y'all for tuning to this week's episode of Black Women Healing Podcast please be sure to check out our Let's Heal workbook. You can find it in our link in our bio and also our beautiful mugs because who doesn't want to heal on the daily? Healing is not just a one-time thing and then you stop it. We heal them on the daily over here. So check out the mug for your gentle reminder. And we want to thank y'all for tuning into this week's episode.